Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton, Kelly Barner with you here, right here at Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream, Dial P for procurement. Kelly, how you doing? I am good. It is a beautiful Dial P Tuesday. It is. And we've, we've got the gorgeous Dial P colors waving in the wind here. Beautiful shade of red. And today, so of course, Dial P is jointly presented by Supply Chain Now and our friends at Buyer's Meeting Point. And today, you, we blink and it's the start of third quarter here at Dial P. I what know. a incredibly fast year this has been, right? This has been unbelievably fast. And I think the nice thing about it is we're actually bringing in some really good friends today and over the next couple of months. So it may be Q3, and as fast as the year has gone to get to this point, the next few months, it's going to be turning to new calendars 2022 before any of us knows it. <laughs> I'll tell you. But there's been lots of wonderful stories, proven new best practices, right? Mm -hmm. And as well as some some timeless things that you got to do to persevere through the, the pandemic era that we're all fighting to get into the what's next. Uh, and we'll get there very soon. But great conversation teed up here today. Quick programming note. Hey, if you like this conversation, be sure to find Supply Chain Now wherever you get your podcast from and click subscribe. Also, you're not going to want to miss being a part of the Buyer's Meeting Point uh, community. Uh, so you can learn. And, and Kelly, what's your URL there? It is buyersmeetingpoint.com. It's just that simple. It's just that, that simple. simple. We make it easy. Yep. So we're going to we want to say hello to a few folks and then we're going to introduce our two special guests that we really enjoy their company pre-show. Some of the best, some of the best uh, conversations happen pre-show. We're gonna have to figure out how to go live <laughs> even earlier, Kelly. But we've got a ton of folks tuned in. Let's say hello to a few of them. Shrinivas tuned in from India via LinkedIn as always. Shrinivas, great to have you here. I saw your comment earlier in the week as as Kelly was was talking about the live stream. You're ready to go early on, so look forward to hearing your POV here today. Kathy tuned in via LinkedIn from Huntington Beach, California. Ke uh, Kelly, that conjures up a gorgeous view, doesn't it? It absolutely does. Maybe, you know, West Coast time, having a little bit of breakfast, second cup of coffee maybe with Kathy. <laughs> I bet Kathy is in her seventh cup of coffee and she's been at work for four hours, <laughs> making it happen already. But Kathy, great to have you here today. John Martinez is back. Now, John was with us for a couple of live streams a week or two ago, tuned in via LinkedIn from San Antonio. And John, I, I wasn't able to listen to the whole thing, but I saw that you were helping folks connect, maybe find jobs, mo be motivated in some of the uh, digital content you were creating on LinkedIn earlier. So great to have you here and really appreciate your POV. Look forward to more hearing more over the next hour. Masawar tuned in via LinkedIn from Pakistan. I apologize if I got that name right. Let us know how we can pronounce it correctly. Sushil tuned in also from LinkedIn. Hello, hello. Peter Bolay, all night and all day. Kelly. Welcome, uh, Peter. He, he Peter does not sleep. He no. stays in problem-solving mode, helping others <laughs> mode, and it's great to have him back once again. 
All right, so just one more final shout out here. I know we couldn't get everybody, but Azalea is back with us, and I appreciate her message here. Good morning, my friends. Praying that everyone Absolutely. is remaining healthy and strong out there. And by the way, I'm not going to let the whole cat out of the bag, but you know, Azalea is is seeking her next opportunity, and she's got some big conversations coming up, and and we should expect that because she she is. We see how bright she is and how sharp she is in every single one of these live stream conversations. So, Azalea, great to have you back with us right here today. Okay, welcome everybody. So, Kelly, with no further ado, are we ready to bring in our two home run Hollywood stars here on Dial P? Indeed, we are ready. Let's do it. So, I want to bring in and introduce Anthony Clurvy, principal at the UNA Group, and Chris Lance. Senior Director and Anthony's colleague at UNA. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Anthony, Chris, how are we doing? Doing great. Well, it is uh, terrific to have you both. We've really enjoyed, and we've had a variety of conversations going back to uh, last year. As I know, UNA has had no shortage of things going on. I love, uh, you know, as, as I think we're going to talk about here momentarily, Kelly, you know, disseminating thought leadership is a big part of what the UNO group does beyond everything else. Yeah. And we're fortunate to be able to plug into some of that today. Right, Kelly? Oh, we are definitely thrilled about that. And in fact, extra specialties here, right? Because if you've been following anything at Procurement on social media, you know that I'm the new host of the Sourcing Hero podcast at UNA. We've had some great guests already. This week, we have Kartik Rama, the sourcing doctor, joining us. And then next week, sort of a little known, but very promising personality in the procurement supply chain space. Uh, Mr. Scott Luton is going to be our guest on. on the podcast next there week. We so go. do not miss that. This is the week to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. Tune in. <laughs> well, uh, Kelly, we, we have a great time uh, having do. these types of conversations. And, and it's an honor to be a part of uh, that wonderful podcast series. And and again, I, I really admire kindred spirits and fellow leaders that um, know the importance of disseminating and encouraging the dialogue that's got to happen for mm -hmm. all of us uh, to get to work through uh, the challenges that we face, unique and some of the timeless challenges. So, to, so today, we're going to get into, on the front end, the most important topics of the day. We're talking sports. Of course, I'm kidding. We, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, but Anthony and Chris, um, both of y'all are athletes and uh, accomplished athletes. And I want to start the conversation just getting, you know, how I'm many retired, folks? Scott. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? You're active for the next hour at least. Okay. But you know, I think it's I just have some integrity here. All right. Right. All right. <laughs> So sports and food and um, travel, these are some of the topics that really help us connect as humans before we even get into supply chain procurement and business matters. So that's where I want to start the conversation. And Anthony, so you're the baseball player of, of the two, and, and we've talked some of, of that uh, earlier in our earlier conversations. I was able this morning, Anthony, su to surprise you with some statistics because oh you attended McKendree University, which is based in Lebanon, Illinois, right? Got it. Um, and I pulled up the 2008 season. And folks, I've got here. So An if Anthony looks like a slugger, it's because he is. He hit one home run for every 13.2 at-bats. Now, that sounds like a lot on its face. You but guess what? Yeah. Hey, Anthony, guess what? It gets better. For some context, Hank Aaron hit one home run every 16.3 at-bats. Sure. So you were on a record. A little different competition, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my, you know, all in good fun. 
But clearly, when you hit the ball, you connected it. But but beyond all of that, what do you remember best about playing baseball in college? You know, baseball, um, it's been so long since I've thought about those stats, so thank you. Um, I'll tell you what I remember the most is if you're three out of ten, you're successful. And I'll tell you that was really, really hard for me. So you make a, a nice gesture there on the on the data. But, man, I would either hit a double home run or strike out. What you didn't share are, are my strikeouts. And that's a little bit how I do life. And so baseball was really good for me uh, because it taught me how to deal with failure. So and I would say I hate it. You know, I hate to lose more than I like to win. Mm. There's so just in, the, in what you just shared there, you know, uh, where we're going after we, we we pick Chris's brain, which we'll do here momentarily about sports is what what life lessons and business lessons are there. And you've shared about seven uh, just in those couple sentences. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate your your willingness to kind of keep it real uh, because um, baseball, much like golf and many yeah. other sports are humbling games. And uh, we've got to be able to deal with failure. the least. Yeah, yes. that's right. Especially if you if you have my athleticism your poo poo and yours uh, I, i'm jealous of the ability to connect a bat and a ball so um but chris let's talk you've got so you may be the first at least according to my show notes and the team's research here former mma fighter chris yes uh, is that is that right well so that's right but let you know for the audience here let's let's keep it you know 100 i, I am not conor mcgregor my legs okay <laughs> you know, so uh, i did yes i did i did a very amateur stint um and it was for a short stint but it was it was awesome so for me I, I did a lot of contact sports and so personally right once once i kind of discovered my body is not made of glass i was like well how far can i push it and so right. mma is essentially the 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 extreme of that and so uh quitting while your head is not the same as quitting so but <laughs> i did want to highlight you know yeah keeping the same vein of integrity you know i'm not i'm not conor mcgregor there's actually some people in my network uh, pun intended, who have actually gone gone on to do very well in that arena. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. so we so. all realized we didn't go to the next level. But just for clarity, Scott, I believe he was the number one amateur fighter for his weight class in Tennessee. Yeah. Wow. Am I wrong, Chris? No, you're correct. For the circuit that I was in, yep. And okay. So it's been, uh, it's it's been to get that, that out there. That's yeah. amazing. So I got so one more follow up question because I, I could I could spend the next hour here and we got we got some other heavy hitting no pun intended topics to talk yeah, about so mm yeah it's bad dad jokes all I got folks <laughs> hey Chris so you know the video games there's always that one finishing move so mm -hmm. is there one move when it when it came to your style of of fighting MMA that you were that was one of your favorite moves to deploy no i didn't i didn't have a favorite there was no up down left right a b a b no, I, didn't, I didn't have any of that no it was uh again very amateur so i was like can i win can i survive you know right you're really standing like, the other guy's not if there it is <laughs> have to win so well and so finally for you i mean it sounds like that's 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 part of the business lesson you learned and what you just shared there chris but anything else that really that your mma experience regardless of the level that really taught you as it applies to business well, kind of, I mean, there's a lot of parallels, you know, I mean, when you, when you stop and think about it, it it's going to hurt a lot and there's, it's going to be seasonal, even as basic or simple as how do you take one on the chin and keep moving forward? Um, mm -hmm. But I think the, the biggest, the biggest thing that I learned through it was that, and I think any professional, again, keyword professional athlete would agree that their success is, 
it, it's it's nothing without the team or the support system that they have around them. And so I think that that for me as the parallel businesses, your your individual successes, you, you have to have that supporting cast, and you have to respect that 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 uh, that supporting cast as well. So, mm. well said. Very well said. All right, so Kelly, I'm going to pass the baton to you in just a moment. I'm going to share a couple of, of quick comments here. Let's see here. AJ, great to have you here. Thanks for joining us via LinkedIn. Masar, where well, you bet? Uh, we want to, you know, we like to find out where folks are from, and it's truly a, you know, this is a, a global business world we're in, and, and we love to see folks from from across that global business world on these conversations here. Of course. Clay and Allie and Amanda are all behind the scenes making it happen from a production standpoint. Ervin, great to have you back. We enjoyed your contributions yesterday. And then finally, uh, let's see here. I appreciate what both of y'all, how you, how you both were kind of humble in your accomplishments, but John's right. Awesome accomplishments. And, you know, y'all both have done things that many other athletes or non-athletes have done. So I appreciate y'all sharing and, and having a little fun on the front end of today's Dial P. Okay, so Kelly Barner, um, where are we going next with Anthony and Chris? So where we're going next is actually sort of unique because you guys are both in procurement, but you're not from procurement. And so as somebody who is both in and from procurement, there are a few things that I think procurement people are very curious to get an outsider's point of view on. Now, given that you guys have sort of a marketing, sales, entrepreneurial kind of background, one of the biggest challenges procurement faces right now is knowing how to deliver a tough message, right? In the way that the audience will be most likely to receive it without getting overly emotional or upset. So Anthony, you're already nodding. Let me start with you. Marketing and sales, I mean, you can't always dress everything up to be happy news. What would be your advice for someone that's Let's keep it internal. I'm in procurement. I have to deliver a message that I know my internal audience is not going to love. What is the best way to do that? So it's the classic like honey versus vinegar. You know, you could do the sandwich approach. You know, I could give you all these little magical nuances or things to say, but some of the language we use internally and then when we're talking to uh, prospective members or folks yeah. about our services, I guess to answer your question a little bit more directly is I'll, I'll say this. What would it look like? We even use this question. You start with what would it look like? And then you and you walk your way through it. Other language we use, uh, we've run this from an outside consultants is, hey, can I throw a puzzle piece on the table? And it's kind of like what our moms always used to say. It's, it's less about what you say, although content is key. Sure. It's about how you say it. And so hopefully coming into that, of course, you're you're kind of putting me on the spot, which is fine. You've built enough trust in the system to where and I'll end with this and probably maybe even stealing a little bit of Chris's thunder. I really like the, uh, it's either it's either Stephen Covey or Lencioni, I think it's Covey. And you talk about bank accounts. And so in bank accounts and relationships, you make deposits and withdrawals. So what you're asking me is, hey, how do I, how do I deliver a tough message and essentially make a withdrawal? Well, hopefully you've made enough positive, enough deposits, mm. enough trust and reality and performance that it's time for you to make a withdrawal when and so you're you know you're in those scenarios and those are the things and kind of practical things that we do internally um, and encourage our our members to do externally because we certainly don't want to be bouncing any of those relationship cash checks right scott <laughs> no bounce <laughs> checks nobody wants a bounce check when it comes to to building make sure there's enough in the account 
Yeah. Well, you know, really quick, uh, we had, um, back when I was in consulting, we had an external consultant come in and share the same example. We called it the rapport bank, right? We got to keep in, uh, making deposits and rapport bank with all of our relationships. So when we're ready to make that withdrawal, there's enough balance in in the uh, account. So I love that, Anthony. What very well said. I think the only thing I would really add to that too, is, you know, be, be ready for the, for a potential rebuttal. And if, and if you get that rebuttal, stay curious, don't shut it down as in, you know, my decisions, my decision, stay curious, ask questions, seek out, you know, why, you know, I guess in procurement change management, but why is there pushback, right? right. But staying curious to understand what the impact to others may be is going to go a really, really long way. And the only other thing I would add is keeping that conversation factual and timely, like time, timing is everything. Uh, so those are, those are a couple of data points I would add to everything that Anthony said. I actually think that's huge because as much as we have negotiation training in procurement, it's typically focused around numbers, contract terms, legal wording, that kind of thing. A lot of times we hit an objection and it's like, okay, well, I guess the conversation's over. And I think in a lot of cases, the other party is probably thinking, why is the conversation over? Why? Right? It doesn't have exactly like this was just getting to the fun part. Why do we have to stop here? So for a slightly different perspective, Chris, I know part of your background is actually in healthcare. Um, And so along this lines of understanding all the different perspectives, I would love to know if there's anything you saw from a corporate healthcare standpoint, from a healthcare supply chain standpoint, from a healthcare innovation standpoint, anything that maybe looked a little bit different to you over the last year and a half than it might have looked to those of us that have been predominantly outside that industry. Well, so I think that, that's a tough one to answer at, you know, right at face value, because I think we're I think we're still redefining a lot mm. I mean, you know, to be to be fair. It feels like we're almost redefining everything. And but kind of what I mean by that as it pertains to supply chain is if you if you follow any headline, there's either a straight or a dotted line to supply chain. Even something like I saw a headline the other day that said I think it was like homeschooling is doubling in the U.S. And I was thinking. Well, what does that mean for food for schools? What does that mean True. for you know? And, and then where does it stop? How does that how does that blossom or what does that evolve in that entire industry? And so I think that um, that's one thing I learned. But I think the obvious thing um, was kind of how how fragile su- supply chain is um, and how you know how it's almost like I don't know for any Parks and Rec fans out there, but Chris <laughs> Traeger he's like my body's a microchip. It's like a grain of dust can just poof. <laughs> and, so we, and we saw through COVID that there are so many, or even not even just COVID, the last 18 months, there was always something that was just tied into, into supply chain. So what I, another thing that I learned though, uh, you know, what I'll say is it became more obvious pricing isn't everything. And I think that that probably became uh, more aware, not to maybe the more tactical, even strategic procurement professionals, but maybe their CEOs, maybe their CFOs. It's like, Hey, what good is saving 50 cents per per item if i can't get it right? right so i think inventory management the quality the pricing those are the things that really became paramount alongside of pricing of course uh but there's just it's uh procurement supply chain it's it's under the microscope um mm-hmm. and so i think it's kind of interesting too because all these all these new stakeholders are coming into these conversations now like well i want to see what's going on and yeah, you know, if I were in procurement, you know, I would say, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I, I got this, you know, so it's it's very interesting. It's very interesting. It's been a super interesting time. And of course, the other thing we've all been balancing is 
keeping a team dynamic mm. while lots of people are still functioning independently from home. Anthony Ona obviously has the most fun team ever because we see your candidates go by on, on social media. You guys do some really fun stuff. What advice would you share about both maintaining that team dynamic through this time, but then also helping every individual be productive from home or whatever remote workplace they're they're dialing in from? Well, I appreciate the, I, I hope our UNA team agrees. You know, we do try to have fun uh, even in, in this kind of, you know, state of flux and, and yeah. I would say uh, difficulty. Uh, we're not, we're not through it, but we're making progress um, as we, I think, hope would all agree and want to try to stay, remain positive. Uh, but we just try to meet people where they are, right? Mm -hmm. And have a short memory. I mean, talk about sports. If you want to play golf or baseball, you better have a short memory. Uh, but you're going to make mistakes. You're going to say the wrong things, and yeah. giving people, you know, the reason, just reasonable doubt of, of, hey, you know, let's let's focus on the matter at hand, and and just giving people grace, right? So we use we try to use that a lot. Grace, grace, grace. Um, doesn't mean there isn't accountability, mm -hmm. but um, certainly maintaining grace. And and look, I, I I'm a wholehearted believer. Our team knows this, and any other team, if I'm you know investing or a part of, like I think remote is not not only here, it's, it's here to stay. And I'll say what's, what's tricky about that is how do you maintain the, the team culture? And so we, we focus on at the beginning, you know, who are you bringing in, in the organization? What's going on between their ears and how do they think about themselves and the folks around them and do they care? You know, I like the, you know, Zig Ziglar uses a line, which some of your folks may, he's a big sales guru, he's, he's since passed now, but your attitude determines your altitude. And it's a well-known phrase, I think. And if you're like, well, what does that mean? Well, I, you really, you literally have control in your future by what goes on here, what you say to yourself, and what you allow in. And so we really try to embrace that model and um, encourage that. We're really, we're not, we don't want to be overly cautious with every little thing we say and walk on eggshells. But yeah. it doesn't matter what you say and how you say it. And um, I think Chris said, well, be curious, and um, if you can, you can control that. That's something you can control. We could not control this pandemic, but by gosh, you can control your attitude. And yes. you can keep making deposits even internally in that relationship bank, right? Right. You got it. Minda Hartz has said something similar, and she's author of the memo, has stated, we, we as leaders, we've got to make work work for everyone, whether they're remote, non-remote, or all the other right. beautiful diversity that makes up um, – uh, the workforce and our teams these days. And that's, so I want to, that question uh, to kind of permeate through the live stream folks in the comments, let us know how, what you're seeing, how you're seeing leaders and organizations make remote working to be as, as convenient and plugged in uh, as possible. We'd love, we'd welcome your communication there uh, comments there. Okay. So I want to share a couple of quick comments, uh, Kelly, before we move forward, if that's okay. Nanda, Absolutely. great. Great to have you, Nanda, back with us hey, Nanda. Uh, from Norway. Hope this finds you well. John Waweru, uh, great conversation going. Lucky to be here today catching you from Mogadishu, Somalia, via LinkedIn. Great to have you here, John. Hey, Rhonda, Dr. Bumpenza Zimmerman, great to have you here. She says, bring her comments into play here. Let's see. Prioritizing social connectedness and encouraging self-care as yeah. much as possible. That is an excellent point. Mm -hmm. And then one final one from Azalea. I personally believe employees have a responsibility as a member of the vision to know what works best for you. Be intentional about your productivity if you are work from home. And if that does not work for your personality or work habits, then go back to the office. I like it. Make sure yeah. you contribute. I tell, hey, we told y'all 
Uh, Azalea brings it every single time. (laughs) She does. Uh, John says it is not about how many people you can have on the bus. It's about who is on the bus. Love that, John. Okay, so Kelly, where are we headed next with uh, the talented one-two punch here in Anthony and Chris? So next we're headed to one of the really big challenges that almost all procurement teams are facing right now, which is given the whole range of things that we have to do and hopefully be good at, how much do we do ourselves? How much do we need to know ourselves? And how much can we reach out into our network to help us achieve? So Chris, if I start with you, you know, you yourself talked about the fact that CEOs are realizing saving doesn't mean anything if it comes with an additional cost. What are you hearing from buy side members of the network in terms of all the things they're trying to achieve right now and how they're trying trying to strike a balance to do well on all of those things at the same time? Yes, like on a, on a hope and a prayer, really. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> lots of duct tape I, and bungee cords. <laughs> yeah, my goodness. Yeah, no, I, I think, in all seriousness, I would say be, being creative. Uh, what, mm-hmm. I, what I'm seeing right now is there's a tremendous amount of creativity. And what I mean by that is typically, or maybe I'll say pre COVID, right? Uh, massive organizations may have had the strong opinion that size still very much matters as much as it did 10, 15, 20 years ago. And so what we're seeing now is that narrative is actually changing um, and they're actually coming to the table wanting to understand. So, all right, tell me more. Tell me more about your contracts. How do they differ from mine? Why can't I participate or, you know, why or not participate? But how is yours exclusive and how can I participate? Different things like that. But really what it's going to also come down to is just, again, being creative, whether that's third party consultants, whether it's tapping into your personal network, whether it's working with the GPO and I'll be frank, sometimes it's working with multiple GPOs. It's it's really going to depend on your business model and really what, what ultimately makes sense. If you're talking indirect or direct spend, uh, the seat, though, um, I do not envy that position. Um, when you know when we have members you know, specifically to us that that come to us, I mean it's we really want to help because it's so obvious how much help is needed. You know they're given this massive bucket, this massive project, this massive task, and then it's but I need resources. It's like oh you're you're good, you'll you'll get it. And so I think um, that's that's where we like to really help and kind of just plug ourselves in. Like hey, we don't want to be intrusive. What's mm-hmm. ideal for you? Right. And then we try to cater to that organization because procurement is not a one size fits all. If you have that mindset, it will fail. Yeah. Well, and I think it's such a trip, right? Because you're talking about being creative. We've talked about, you know, knowing how to have a conversation such that if you throw out an idea, throw out a message and you get some pushback, you got to know how to address those objections. Hopefully over time, learn to anticipate the objections so that you can keep the conversation going. If there's only so much time in a day, you're kind of either developing soft skills or you're maintaining this totally up-to-date mastery around whatever your category happens to be, corrugated, fuel, metals, commodities, right? Are you hearing anything around which is being emphasized, kind of a soft skills development or a category expertise type of play? I think the, the soft skills are important. And I think everybody understands that, you know, fortunately or unfortunately that right now, I think the bottom line is so in everybody's face that yes. that they're still very very tactical that's just at least been my experience and so you know i think that while a lot of um you know a lot of procurement professionals are diving into to specifics and really looking to understand those specifics they're 
the specifics have also changed or evolved, yes. I should say. So I think that our generalists are still staying generalists and maybe perhaps just getting deeper, but still staying at a high level. Okay. Um, but the soft skills, I think they're, everybody's aware like how important that is. But I think as some of these change management, like if you're switching a vendor, if you're enforcing compliance, right? How do you do that without breaking or impacting other teams in a negative way? And that's where soft skills are gonna come into play, right? If it's okay, if this is gonna impact four other teams and they're not gonna be thrilled about it, can I pull them into that conversation now? And yeah. to Anthony's point earlier, what does it look like, right? right. So. Well, and impacting other teams, we're including suppliers in that, right? So we wanna be working well with everybody inside and outside and reducing as much overlap as possible. Yeah, very, yeah, very important, right? Because sometimes like from our perspective, sometimes we're the, the last one to the conversation. Perhaps maybe yeah. this member and this yeah. supplier have had a relationship for 20 years and we're the ones who need to catch up. So mm -hmm. again, it depends, you know. Yeah, agreed. You know, we're talking of course about GPOs and whatnot. Peter says, you know, prior to engaging a GPO, he feels the scope of their work needs to be clearly defined with expectations or someone will feel let down. And he also adds uh, the same for consultants. Mm -hmm. um, any commentary there uh, from Anthony or, or Chris on that? No, I would, I would agree. You need to be transparent on what you can and can't do. You know, and one of the first things we say is we probably cannot help you with everything, but let's start with what's most important to you, right? Um, and we'll be transparent. Again, sometimes it's not necessarily working with us. It may be back into the network. And I think that that's the key with supply chain. Well said, Chris. That's good. Okay. Uh, Anthony, anything to add? Yeah, I think expectation management is key internally, externally. You know, I think it's Peter, right? Um, yep. Let's just agree to that up front, you know, and, and let's not have scope creep on either side. And if the end goal is, you know, we want to achieve X savings or we want to have, you know, it's, it's not always about that speed to contract. It could be resiliency. It could be a, numer a number of things that the scorecard is aligned up front um, and agreed to. And so, you know, easier said than done. But if you can hold to it and both parties agree to that, then it makes a lot of room for some flexibility on both sides. But you're not, you know, you just, you don't get to the end and you have less surprises. I think there's always right. going to be a wrinkle, but um, you can't eliminate risk. You can only mitigate it. I love that. One more comment, Kelly, before I turn it back over to you. I think this is Roz. And, and Roz was excited as well about this conversation. She also commented like Shrenevis in the earlier uh, social promotion. So Roz, sometimes we can't see who makes the comments. There's different settings on LinkedIn, but I agree with you here. You know, kind of work from home is one of those bigger themes that, that's part of this conversation. Remaining connected is paramount. And I would just add to Roz's comment from a productivity standpoint, of course, but equally as important from a mental well-being, right? You want to you want to, you know, being in the trenches isn't always fun, but when you're in there with your, your comrades and your, uh, your team, I mean, that's, that's a big important part of the journey, at least from where I sit. So great point there, Roz, and great to have you here today. Okay. So Kelly, I know we're, I'm interjecting quite a bit, but there's a ton of comments. <laughs> Folks love this conversation and, and yeah. as do I, but where, where are we, where are we going here next? So I think a little bit more on this topic of figuring out what needs to be in house Anthony, you're a pretty entrepreneurial guy, right? And, and I think what I'm interested in hearing about is there's a couple different ways to look at growth. You can think about growth from the perspective of I'm a company of one working my way up to a company of hundreds or thousands, or maybe I'm a team of people and my scope is increasing, right? They're both growth. And somewhere along the way, you have to figure out when do I bring in more direct headcount versus leveraging 
contractors or freelancers or third party service providers, what tends to be sort of your mental approach to those types of, of decisions? Because it's it's not straightforward either around the timing or around which one of those is one of those things is the right option. How do you tend to either think about that or have those conversations internally? So start with this, focus on what you know or what your team knows, embrace the skills that are around you. Okay. And then, and then I would say it's your mind is like a parachute. It doesn't work unless it's open. So <laughs> willing, embracing this concept of willingness to change. Yeah. Right. And so can, and then can you back up a little bit? Like what are the overall objectives of the company? And can you get strategic alignment around specifically to those categories? If you're thinking kind of within procurement and whether you have a couple of folks already, I mean, there's, there's key metrics around the size of a business, when you should start to kind of hire or outsource. I, you know, I really think, you know, there's the control freaks that want everything in house, right? So I think it really is a methodology and I would embrace a more blended approach uh, on all things. It's not even just unique to procurement. You see it a lot in marketing um, as well, which I, you know, I have some thoughts around that of kind of the, the alignment and liking and things to marketing, but ultimately uh, you got, you got back up. If your team has never outsourced, you know, this is what I would end with. You ask yourself this question, uh, why? And are you falling into the trap of, well, we've always done it that way. And you ask specifically yeah. like, you know, companies can kind of be at this go-go stage, which, or uh, kind of more mature after you get 20 years, uh, or after about 20 years, you start to see kind of a mature. But if you want to back up, the entrepreneur in me is like, okay, if you know the data, like 4% of companies are doing a million dollars. 1% of companies do over 10 million. So the, understand the data, the type of organizations that we're talking about, it's mm -hmm. very small within the market. And I will tell you, you're not gonna grow a company by saving money all the time. But if, it, if you embrace it at the top level, I think there's an extraordinary opportunity to accelerate growth and, and, um, and profitability. Yeah, well, it's funny. I actually haven't thought about this in a long time and I hope I'm getting the author right in my mind. There's a book called Expensive Sentences and I believe it's by Jack Quarles. Very nice guy. Apologize to Jack if I've mispaired the title in, in his work. But it's a fascinating book, which was not written for procurement, but he talks about what are those expensive sentences that people in companies say. And I'm pretty sure we've always done it that way. Yes. It's the number one most expensive sentence that anybody can ever say. And that cost isn't just measured on the bottom line. Or that if cost it is, don't fix it. Like, I mean, it oh, just, exactly. Exactly. No. And those are good things to be on the lookout for in conversations. So you got that right. As always, Kelly, Jack Quarles, Q-U-A-R-L-E-S is expensive. The author. Excellent expensive book. I highly sentences. recommend it. So I know we're talking, um, we're, we're going to be getting into looking good while delivering savings here momentarily, <laughs> but I got to uh, pose this question because John is passionate about this question. I think he's typed a version of it twice. And if y'all don't mind, I'm going to pose this to you. No, we want to hear it. And by the way, Clay, yes, challenge best practices. We've always done it this way as often an excuse. This has been a common theme mm -hmm. for the past year or so. I agree with you, Clay. So John says, hey, Anthony, Chris, do your companies run agile methodologies through Six Sigma, Scrum, Agile projects? What would be their end scope? What would their end scope be to identify gaps in the field and process? It, um, could one of y'all address that a bit or you know, more, more broadly, just continuous improvement and what you're seeing in that, this space when it comes to procurement. John is passionate about this topic. I can tell. Yeah. So, I mean, so taking 
you know, CSI or continual service improvements. I mean, there are, there are some components where it makes sense. There are some where it doesn't. And so for any, I'll give an example, right? So maybe a member comes in, or John, maybe you come in, right? And you're like, okay, help me out. My hair's on fire. I just got this. Boom. I just got $30 million. I have to have it purchased best price, best service levels in three months. All right, boom, let's start on that. Then we may start with your low hanging fruit. Like, you know, a lot of times in procurement, there are hands off categories, right? And so we'll push those to the side. Where's the low hanging fruit? What's in that tailspin, the, you know, the junk drawer in the kitchen. Can we help with that? You know, and then as we build that trust and as we build that faith, we start maybe looking into bigger strategies, bigger conversations, right? So the continual service improvement aspect, though, could essentially be maybe connecting one member or a group of members and then allowing that spend or that committed volume to continue to grow and then reapproaching the supplier and reworking with the members to say, can we sweeten this? Can Why can we not make this any better? Or, hmm. you know, what are the service level? Like, can we adjust some of these terms? So we do when it makes sense, but a lot of the times from a GPO, the, the benefit oftentimes is speed. And if you start inserting some of these processes, you may lose some of that, but it really ultimately, again, I, I keep saying this, that there's nuance to it, right? And it's going right. to depend on the organization. That's what I would say. Excellent point. And, you know, we've heard Kelly uh, from folks out there driving change uh, from a continuous improvement standpoint in, in a variety of organizations, including tough ones like automotive. Yeah. Uh, have told us that leaders can oftentimes focus too much on the tools and methodologies rather than some of the common sense of what are we trying to do. And I think that's an important point not to be lost here. An Anthony, anything else to add to this conversation here? This point? Now, Chris has got the big business background. I'm, you know, the hustle and bustle and working with the small businesses, at least that mentality. So I, I think you nailed it, but it's kind of the old adage, like start, I think you said it there at the end there, um, Scott, just make sure you're keeping the end, the, the end goal in mind, keeping it clear. Yeah. Let's not get, you know, potholes are going to come up. They're going to be wrinkles, but focus on prize. Yes, so. agreed. And Kelly, one last point, and, you, and I would imagine you'd agree with me, but, you know, um, improvement methodologies aren't like sports teams, right? We don't have to love the Chiefs and only the Chiefs and hate anything else that wears a different jersey. <laughs> you know, there's lots of ways these things complement each other, you know, and, and yes. can really complement effectively. And different situations call for different tools and different methodologies and whatnot. So, I think Wait, that's all for the mistake. Not everybody loves the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> this live stream is over. <laughs> uh, right. well, we probably have, uh, uh, in addition to y'all, one of the biggest Chief fans here in uh, Greg White. So we're we're certainly I'm fans. I'm channeling my extension. inner Greg right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You're doing a great job too. All right, so Kelly, I, I didn't mean to take us off road a bit, no, but no. Um, you know, sometimes we got to give the people what they want, and that's Absolutely. an important part here at the live stream. No, and I think it's actually an important point that comes up in that, that, you know, just like in sports, sometimes muscle memory is the best thing you can develop. But if you develop it to the exclusion of everything else, it's going to end up being a liability. You can't always approach every situation in the same way, with the same tool, with the same technique. In some cases, you just have to be able to call an audible and deal with what's actually happening in your set of specifics. So I think that's a great point to bring up. Yeah, it's called life. It is. I mean, yeah. absolutely. That's the ultimate agility, right? But the whiteboard, it, it was all perfect. Yeah. It was all laid out. We had our plan. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, that's right. There's another. Is that another Greg quote? Oh, yeah. Everybody has a planet to no, the no. face. That's a Mike Tyson. Mike right? Tyson. Yes. Yeah. One of the greatest of all time. Okay. So I got to share this as Leah because I think this is, you know, we're talking about priorities. 
and you know we're get, getting into this delivering savings while looking good segment here. She says, it seems prioritizing is a main driver in that decision process that Chris was talking about. With that, I assume a lot of those far-reaching fruits never get pursued. Is there often resentment there? That's a, that's a wonderful quest, question. Chris, any commentary there? That is an awesome question. Uh, resentment, no, right? Obviously, you, your feelings are hurt if you can never really kind of get to the, the big project, the big category, the big opportunity uh, but resentment no because you know to be frank if if we haven't helped you on the first three four five six ten categories why would we be able to help on the the big category now there are again nuance to that right and so it ultimately is going to depend on the industry category things of that nature but i no, I would say no. Sometimes, Chris, right? It's not no, it's just not now. Can we, yeah. you know, what would it look like if we started here and then and kept track of that? Like we own that you stated, you know, such and such need or desire, but, you know, we want to, you know, based on the goals that you've shared with us, I think X is more important and here's why. Mm -hmm. What say you? And it's a collaboration, not a knife fight. Well, mm -hmm. and there's that, and there's that parallel to, to the, almost to the other comment that was made on staying connected, right? Because, right. Yes. Maybe it didn't work out right now. Maybe that maybe you're in a contract and that's why we couldn't help, you know, or maybe there's a, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, but I think it's no doesn't always mean no forever. So how you handle that no and still right. being willing to help or pass to another direction, you know, karma is out there. Yes. Whether we like it or not. Excellent. I love that. All right. So Kelly, where are we headed to next? So next, I think we're going to understand a little bit more about how the GPO dynamic works from a supplier perspective. This has been a huge topic of conversation. You know, procurement is suddenly aware of the fact that if our suppliers are unhappy with us, there's actually very little we can achieve on any front. So Chris, starting with you, what is the advantage to a supplier of actually being a participant in a GPO? Ooh, that's a that's a good that's a very good question. First thing I would say is uh, penetration into a new vertical, right? So if you have saturated your entire, mm. uh, maybe your five year plan of, of for, through business development, but hey, you know what? Maybe we maybe we can play in healthcare, or maybe we can play in manufacturing. That would be a great great way to 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 do that. So I would say, and the main and the reason for that is because you're going to get that business development through relationships. Mm -hmm. So the ROI you're going to have to pay up front to teach a sales team to go after this, the research, all it's already done. You just need to essentially work with the right GPO to find the right vertical for the right items at the right price. So and that's a huge opportunity for innovation, right? I know even on the procurement side, this is something that we talk about where we say, you know, don't just look at companies that can provide the exact same thing you're buying now. Look for companies that provide something else that meets the same business need because that expands the type of suppliers and providers that you can bring into a conversation. And I guess, I don't know how often you guys get this question. I have to think it's fairly often. Can can we just put it on the table that it's not just straight volume leveraged cost savings, that there's a little bit more strategy behind how the suppliers actually deliver savings to their customers through GPO. It's not just about centralizing the volume, right? Not at all. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I, that may be, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but that may be why some suppliers view GPOs as like a necessary evil, right? Because when push comes to shove, You've put all this effort into these into these contracts and, and had these conversations to bring that value. Yeah. And then a member may 
depending how it hits their windshield, it's, well, what's the price? And it's like, well, hold yeah. on, look at these service levels. Look at this price protection, right. look at this rebate, look at the, you know, look at all the things that we're doing. It's beyond the race to the bottom. And so sometimes if I were a supplier, the questions that are maybe posed sometimes, they almost come off as, as insulting. Like, did you, did you really look at that? Or did you just look at quantity price? Boom. No, you know? And, then and let's be honest, we're looking at quantity price boom. I right. mean, <laughs> quantity price boom. that's like 80% of procurement. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. I want to share this from the one and only Phil Addison is with us today, of course, that's with Art, Art of Procurement, uh, great podcast and beyond there. Great point, Kelly. Look beyond specs to desired outcomes when selecting providers. Hey, Scott, now, and while we have Phil up, yeah. Very quick shout out, two of our youngest and biggest Dial P fans, Tristan and Aiden, I'm sure are eating lunch. Yeah. I know you're not being fed vegetables because Phil doesn't do vegetables, but <laughs> eat whatever healthy thing he's given you. The lady on TV says to him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Also, hello. Ken, I had dinner uh, with Tristan and Aiden. I don't know if they're watching, but shout out to those boys. I had a great time with them. Kelvin is tuned in via LinkedIn from Zambia. Great to have you here, Kelvin. Of course, as Leah, as uh, as did I. Try to say that ten times fast. I love this, you know, because um, and 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 by extension, just because it is collaboration doesn't mean you can't have frank, tough conversations. Right. You got to yeah. lean into them, right? But I love that comment, uh, Anthony. And Philip uh, Phil says he's having ketchup burgers, folks. Ketchup <laughs> burgers. Ketchup is a vegetable. <laughs> so, All that hey, <laughs> Charles, Charles Heater's back with us, and Charles has been bringing the heat in our live streams often in recent weeks. He says, hey, so a GPO helps to lend stability to a company in a way? Any comments there? Yeah, I would, I would say in a way. I mean, sure, you know, yeah, we can't, you know, uh, yeah, but yes, in, in short, yes. Speed, you can have speed with that stability too, right? I would okay. add to that, you know, from all of our conversations we've had, it's um, you're bringing in tons of experience right. and tons of savviness. So you can, so to your point, Chris, you can make decisions that you're confident in quicker. And as we all know, you're only as smart as the talent you've got in your team. If you've got a small team or even a big team, you're still right. going to have gaps in what you know and what you don't know. So you're bringing in experts that can help you accelerate. Anthony, you going to add? Well, I just, I, maybe just kind of the metaphor, which we might be just done with those, but Hey, you know, we're going to let you know there's a pothole in the right lane, get in the left lane. And it's your job to um, embrace that, um, execute on it. But we want to be a complimentary partner. And I want to go back to what was stated. Like, it, we really do believe in kind of this three-pronged approach. Like, we don't call them providers. We call them supplier partners. And we call yeah. our members. And it's, if we want to make sure that there's true alignment there externally, internally, it's more than a race to the bottom. And if we're helping those players win, ultimately, Una uh, gets to play a part of that. So it's. And that's just not unique to our model. I think everybody should be thinking that way when it comes to successful creative procurement. Absolutely. Well, well stated. All right. So I've got a question here, Kelly, I would like to ask. We've been talking about best practices, but there's probably some worst practices. But I want to make sure our timing is right. Anything else that you wanted to, to kind of bring? Anything else you want to ask before I move to that next question? Now that you've mentioned worst practices, that's the most interesting part of any conversation. That's like, yeah, no, I don't want anything more to eat. Dessert's coming. <laughs> This is the good stuff. Right. All right. So the current quarterback with the Chiefs, I cannot make his name is escaping me right now. Oh, I'm uh, sure it is. Unless the, you're being uh, the, come on. The well the he's one of the he's one of the 
best of uh, in our time already, right? Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Thank you very much. Okay. I thought you were kidding. Actually, so he, <laughs> hey, I like, I've been, I've been so, I'm suffering in baseball season right now. Enough, I'm going to take enough. one. Uh, t- yeah, that's right. Um, all right. So you got Mahomes, who's already established his case, one of the best that currently plays the game, and, and he's got a big, bright future. He's yep. got a, a championship, you name it. But if you look, so he does things some of the best ways, right? And then you look at some other quarterbacks, and I, I you know what? I'm not going to pick on anybody, but you look at some other quarterbacks that, that can never even get over into a winning season. Right, they don't have the same best practices. They're, they're approaching it in some of the worst ways. So when it comes to, you know, how companies look to to save money, right? You've got some prog- progressive, uh, forward-looking companies that do it the right way, like the Mahomes of the world, mm-hmm. and then you got folks that are, are maybe too old-fashioned to get out of their way that take a really poor approach. Anthony, what are some of the some of the worst ways you've seen companies try to cut these corners? Well, I'm going to give a shout out to our British friend, Phil, over at Art of Procurement. And he says it like this. It's cost savings at all costs. And that's it's really the worst way to approach it. And, you know, simply put, you have a savings number, you want to hit it. You want to for your team or yourself, you get a bonus. It doesn't matter who you step on internally or externally. And it flies. And think about it, it flies in the face of everything we've been talking about for the last half hour or so. Are you you're not aligning with overall stakeholders or objectives of any it erodes trust within internally supplier partners, and then you know which I know Phil hates this as well. But then I think that it it erodes your ability to have a seat at the table, and as as a procurement whether you're a CPO or and then I think C suite looks at you as just you know why don't you just go punch your PO and then the outside suppliers you know you're you're in a knife fight with them or you're fighting with them and you're. You're going after every little thing, nickel and dime, and not thinking long term. And then before you know it, they're vendors, and it's just gross. It's mm. very short term. Yeah, love that, Anthony. And and uh, Chris, anything to add? For I've got one more follow up question. Anything nope. else to add to that, Chris? No, no, I think he nailed it on that. Yeah, okay. if, it, if it's a constant race to the bottom, it's it's it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna end well. Agreed. Man, y'all are a succinct bunch. Okay, what about <laughs> one two punch? Think, right, MMA. That's a good thing. That's Come a compliment. On. Um, yeah, price savings boom. Yeah, sometimes we have folks on that can only get we can only pose one question to them, yeah. and that's the that's the whole show. But I love that T-shirtism, Kelly. Let's talk about you know that growing, that maturing company, uh, the successful company, the folks that are you know you open up the headlines and, and they're they're challenging the game and finding new ways to win, not just you know how things have been done. When when you look when you think of that environment and you you think of creative procurement practices and thought leadership. How important is that, do you think, in, in, in the information age looking forward, Anthony? I, I mean, I would say it's everything. Uh, you know, I, clearly, if you're having that kind of environment and organization that's growing uh, public or not, that clearly is starting at the CEO or, or very high at the top COO level, embracing that, whether it's, you know, um, uh, CFO, it kind of really depends on how procurement is aligned. But I will tell you a recent story. I won't name names, but there are you know global global company, and uh, it's clear a new CEO. They've got a, they've got a CPO in there that has a history, has a background. He has he has uh, he or she uh, just continue to be more a little more uh, objective. Has implemented this global procurement strategy, but they were already a billion dollar organization, and he's got some very unique uh, viewpoints on what they're doing. They're they're hiring someone specific to do a lot of the tactical things, but I can just see it as he's talking with us and what he has implemented that he feels a little bit behind, 
But even when we were on the phone with him, he was talking to the CEO, uh, had to had to step off. So it is clear engagement from that top, from the top to the bottom. And um, I know that they're going to be more effective. They're going to they're going to reach more profitability. There was clear creativeness. He had a lot of autonomy from the way we were talking to him. So it, I just think it starts at the top. And I want to liken it to marketing, right? So if, if the CEO or C-suite doesn't believe in marketing, uh, which I think is crazy, you know, is a key function to business. The same thing applies to to procurement. So if you if you don't have that buy-in from the top. You're gonna, you're just gonna get stonewalled. You're not gonna have the seat at the table. Don't make it more complicated than it is. Have a more collaborative approach. And so, if you have that at the top, and then you can execute and embrace that, it you want alignment in all departments, not just for the sake of procurement. And then you're getting it down in the levels where they're executing and following compliance. I know that I'm saying a lot of things, but it's, it's just this weird balance between strategic and tactical. And it, it, I know every day is not going to be great. And to try to get the buy-in from the top is not always easy, but you don't, you know, you don't give up and it's an everyday thing. And uh, we, we've seen that from, from some of the examples I try to use objectively without using names, but gosh, that, those are the things that come to mind as I'm just rallying those off, Scott. I, well, I think that. that's super validating, Anthony, to hear that marketing has some of the same challenges that procurement feels like we can never get past, right? You're trying to get I not just, only- I'm trying to make the parallel there. I don't know if I did Yeah, great. no, I think it's 100% true. And I think it's a mistake for any of us in procurement to think we're the only ones trying to get FaceTime with the CEO, trying to get right. buy-in for what we want to invest in or spend money on or advance internally the changes we want to lead. It's that's a really important point to bring forward that everyone is having some kind of challenge like this. I think they both get put off as fluff from the wrong if they're if they're given the wrong information or yeah. maybe that and so that that's that's really the point. I hate the I, I know, Chris, you've got a hard stop, so um, we want to make sure folks can connect with you after the fact. I've really enjoyed y'all's approach to this conversation, very transparent and frank, and just kind of telling it like it is from y'all's experience, and, and no wonder Una is on the move like it is. Um, and by the way, AA, welcome. And we're going to, uh, we need to publish a book full of all the worst practices. <laughs> that would be so, so, so he says he wants to know them so he can learn to avoid them and also try to be successful at it. Love that Mohi from Wichita, Kansas. Okay. So let's make sure Kelly folks know how to connect with everybody here. Uh, so let's start with Chris Lance, who's senior director at UNA. So Chris, how can folks connect with you? Uh, best way would be on LinkedIn. So you can uh, just get me directly on LinkedIn. I'm out there, or you can go to our, our UNA page and contact us. That's that way too. Wonderful. I appreciate that, Chris. And even more importantly, what's the UNA domain name, Chris? What's that now? What's the UNA domain? UNA.com. UNA.com. Simple. <laughs> easy. <laughs> it's just, everything should be just that simple. And, and it should be. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and Anthony. <laughs> You know, Anthony, I think we initially connected on LinkedIn as well. You're a great follow, yeah. uh, as Kelly Probably alluded to on the front end. Put a lot of great thought leadership out. Absolutely. So you'd invite folks to connect with you on LinkedIn as well? Yeah, the, the good thing is, is if you're the Clervy name, C-L-E-R-V-I, there's only, you know, so many of us and I know them all. Um, so Anthony Clervy on LinkedIn, or I even have a personal site as well, still working through content, uh, anthonyclervy.com. But most importantly, I would say UNA, una.com. Check us out there. I'd love to connect with you, hear your story, help in any way we can. So Wonderful. And, you know, Greg White's going to make an appearance here. He says, great approach to the discussion. Frank, transparent, and Kansas City-oriented. <laughs> I love that, Greg. Your ears have been burning. And great to have everybody. John, hey, we've got an event coming up. 
July 29th. We're going to talk a lot more about continuous improvement best practices, especially as it applies to your um, uh, your professional journey. So join us for that. It's free to join us. We'll uh, maybe drop a link in there in the comments. Okay. So, gosh, Kelly, we have covered a long uh, ground here. I'm going to, uh, given the hard stops we've got, I'm going to say thank you to, again, Anthony Clervy, principal at UNA, and his colleague, Chris Lance. Wonderful discussion. We're going to have you all back to talk a lot more sports and procurement leadership in the weeks and months ahead, okay? Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Thank yep, you. Definitely. What a great group. And as a couple of folks pointed out in the comments, that was, it, you know, procurement and supply chain touches everything. And oh, yeah. um, such a, it, sometimes it takes a conversation to remind you of that and, and really manifest itself in your, in your, in your Absolutely. mind. But you're the, you're like the um, first disciple of, of the procurement uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> first church of procurement, uh, Kelly Barner. What was your, your favorite aspect of our conversation with Anthony and Chris here? I think my, my favorite, my big takeaway is this idea that we need to not hear an objection and let the conversation end. And I think not only is that concept important, but clearly it's something that we have to practice, mm. right? That's a, you know, you hear an objection, you think, uh oh, that's not on my paper, that objection, what am I supposed to say now? You right. have to be able to talk and listen and think and reframe and respond kind of all at the same time rolling. Um, and so it's really about having more of those kinds of conversations to develop that skill, to always hear an objection and just bounce it back out or take it as an opportunity to learn more, like Chris had said. Mm. Well, gosh, if you got to do all that and chew gum at the same time, some it's of us may. Absolutely. <laughs> We're going to be tough to make it. As Leah says, turn to the book of Barner, chapter one. I love that. As Leah, that's a lot better than what I shared. That's, that's it's great. not that book full of mistakes not to make. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's not. Kelvin, great discussion. Learn a lot specifications then boom you procure that's right new Thank t-shirt you, is in there uh nanda john really appreciate peter appreciate all the all the comments um and great to have you here all right so folks welcome you're gonna have a lot of fun these, these next couple live streams as we're yep. uh spend some time with the una team each show kelly again how can folks connect with you I connect with me on LinkedIn, either as Kelly Barner, as Buyer's Meeting Point, or check out all of the Dial P accounts as well, if you just want to get a focused stream of Dial P updates and snippets. Wonderful. And of course, our friend Phil Addison, uh, make sure you check out Art of Procurement, where Phil and Kelly do a lot of great Absolutely. things there. Um, and you know, you can find the Dial P live streams every third, third, two, third Tuesday. I want to make sure I'm not getting in trouble. There. Third Tuesday of the month, 12 yes. noon Eastern time, right? Absolutely. Find us here every third Tuesday. All right, folks. Hopefully you enjoy the conversation as much as I have. Big thanks again to Anthony and Chris from UNA. Big thanks to my colleague and, and dear friend Kelly Barner with Buyers Meeting Point. We hope to see y'all. We've got a full week of live streams, folks. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow on Logistics with Purpose uh, as Enrique offers up another great story with our the team over at Vector Global Logistics. Um, most importantly, though, a, a lot of great advice offered up here today and thought leadership, but also hear this, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.